You're listening to Tech Talk Central. Before we start with uh, Evangelist Google, this um, I want to say I took a little bit uh, about researchers night and what's going to be happening here on the 26th of September at Democritus. Uh, last year there was over 10,000 p- visitors, uh, parents, children. They came along and saw what's going on, and we hear that this year it's going to be even more. They're expecting more people, so. I, I think you should also come and see uh, what these guys are doing here at Democritus, all these scientists. Um, and now we've got one of them here with us. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't making fun of your name, but we were just um, exchanging uh, experiences from abroad where we both lived there. Uh, Vagelius has lived uh, in the States. He was an MIT, he did his PhD at the MIT um, on chemical engineering. And uh, usually abroad, we all end. We all end with an S. I'm Kolovos, and you will Google this. But they really pronounce our names really funny. Yeah. Uh, Greek names are a little bit hard. So, um, so you finished your initial diploma at the Entua Polytechnio in uh, in Athens, and That's then right. continued to the MIT. Um, you're a full professor now, research director. I read, and well, okay. You've got a really rich resume. You've done a lot of authoring, a lot of citations, a lot of publications. And uh, tell us a little bit you know, about your studies, about what you've done, what it takes you know, to be a scientist like you. <laughs> Thanks, Vicky. Uh, it's usually mostly us at the beginning, but then the students who are doing the writing and the authoring. authoring. Uh, anyhow, it takes a long uh, itinerary to arrive at uh, a point where you write uh, several publications, etc. Uh, as you said, after the Technical University, I went to the States for a master's and a PhD thesis. And uh, then I was uh, lucky when I came back for my military service to meet a man who came from the States here, from IBM, and uh, was recruiting people at the newly established Institute of Microelectronics. Uh-huh. And uh, at MIT, I had done my PhD in processing for microelectronics. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I joined there as a postdoc initially, and then I was elected a researcher here. And uh, we started the effort for microelectronics in Greece, which uh, actually brought some fruit. We didn't have a fab established here. Most of the fabs left for, for Asia, from Europe and from the States. But at least we have an infrastructure, a lot of um, design efforts, and a lot of people who are active in the fabless, at least, area and industry in Greece. And that's a very good thing that happened. And uh, then after that, we simply uh, moved from microelectronics to nanoelectronics and then in nanotechnology. Okay, so um, we'll go on, we'll go into what you're doing exactly. But before we do that, you, you gave me the opportunity. Um, what's, what's the connection between you and the industry? This was a good point you gave me. So mm-hmm. uh, what are you doing? Are you working with the industry? Are they working with you? Can you just give me an insight a little bit on that? Well, uh, always a researcher has to reflect uh, not only the, the need and the search for the unknown and uh, uh, the interesting and the curious, but also to reflect the needs of the local society. And at least uh, uh, abroad, always the industry was uh, in an infrastructure and an environment where uh, it was closely affiliated with uh, research and with uh, education. Uh, I was lucky to be part of the 
Silicon Valley era mm-hmm. in the States, where we were close relationship, our research activities with industry. And I think we try to bring some of that in Greece. Of course, since that time, uh, research has changed, has moved from nanoelectronics, as I said, to nanotechnology and modern materials and surfaces and things like that. And we try to be in contact with the industry. And I think that's the point that we should establish in the country here to have the local industry always mm-hmm. have ears and eyes open yeah, and create questions for the local people, just as it used to happen in the past. Remember in the past we had the mastoras, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the, the craftsman and his, his student. Yeah. And one used to create questions for the other one. Correct, yeah. So there has to be an environment where the people who are out there doing jobs create questions and curiosity for research and vice versa. Uh, do I hear that that's not the case? Or is it the well, case it, or sh- what should be done? What do you think? It is an environment that has to be established. Uh, it's not a, a tradition yet simply because we, we move to studies abroad without looking at the local industry and the local industry did not look for these questions. But mm-hmm. I think slowly we realize, at least in research and I hope in industry, that we should pose these questions. And the only way to do that is to make sure we recruit and we have in our industries people who are at a high level of education mm-hmm. with masters, with PhDs, and know the research question, mm-hmm. how to pose a problem, how to solve a problem, how to look for something that is unknown, how to look for something that is curious, mm-hmm. and uh, not be afraid to do that. Yeah, This is the only way that we will create the infrastructure and we will not stop our industries from facing the future. But there's going to be some kind of mechanisms for, to facilitate the communication between the researchers and the industry. There seems to be a big divide right now. I uh, think there is a simple mechanism. You yeah. just hire and recruit PhDs. Okay. And this creates in turn the the links with the local academia or research centers. Okay. And this creates a, a circle which is unbroken and which feeds up questions. But what would incentivize PhDs to come and work from Greece? It, obviously, we are going through a crisis and salaries are not what somebody who's got a PhD would expect. What kind of incentives would you promise or would would you uh, give us samples for the industry to give to PhDs? What, what would you suggest? I think at the point we are right now and with such a deep crisis, even the incentive of a job where mm-hmm. you would do something that is also interesting for the industry and look for, for, for the future of that industry is enough. But what, what would make him come to Greece back? Because as you said, a lot well, of them, like you, were abroad. Yeah, but uh, don't forget that uh, uh, people always abroad want to come back. But mm-hmm. we don't have, as in our times, a flux of PhDs only from abroad. Mm-hmm. We are now in a position where we have a strong flux from inside the country. Okay, so they don't have to leave. going outside of the country okay. right now. So they don't have to leave and they can stick around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, Vagelis, you're going to tell me a little bit about your work now. Uh, okay. I read it's smart nanostructured surfaces, and you were telling me a lot about all the remarkable things they can do, but you're going to explain it and where it can be used and where it's not economically uh, viable to be used. Yeah, sure. Where do you want to start from? You want to pose a question or you want me to tell the whole story? <laughs> well, just in, in simple words, explain what you do, what, what, your, what the technology is, what, what, it's, what you've invented and how. It okay. 
Well, I just say that it started from an accident, quote, accident, and un, uh, an unsuccessful experiment. You know, these people in microelectronics, they like to do everything perfect, everything okay. well-polished, everything perfect. And uh, in the lab, we had some trouble. Some of the surfaces were not flat and nice and shiny. Okay. They were, you know, sort of rough. Uh -huh. We called them textured. And then we looked at the electronic microscope. It was nanotextured. Okay. Textured in nanoscale, which means several thousand times less than what our hair dimensions are. Okay. So we said, okay, well, this is not very useful for microelectronics, but is it maybe useful for something else? And uh, we looked at it, and we noticed that when we take these surfaces, they have some remarkable properties. If we tune this nanotexturing, it looks like a very nicely placed uh, uh, surface uh, relief, which you see from the airplane when you travel. Mm -hmm. You see mountains, you see lakes, you see trees. And uh, we noticed that these surfaces, when you put on them water, for example, after the way that we make them, we're using an oxygen plasma, they completely suck up water. They are very hydrophilic. Okay. And not only they take up water, but they can take up biomolecules, proteins, DNA, all this stuff. And so this gave us an incentive to look if these are very useful for diagnostics. And indeed, we noticed that you can have a hundred times more proteins on a such a surface or biomolecules which made them extremely good for a diagnostic which would count, for example, how much from a protein you have in your blood. We call this type of surfaces microarrays. So we found a way to make microarrays with a hundred times more sensitivity. But then we went another step forward, and we said, let's put on these surfaces, which are hydrophilic, let's put a very tiny, thin Teflon, you know, the Teflon yeah. that we mm -hmm. have on your, a surface, yeah. on your surface, on your frying pans. Mm -hmm. A very thin monolayer of Teflon. And suddenly what happened is that these surfaces that were extremely water-sucking, they absorbed water like crazy, they became so water-repellent, there was no chance for any water droplet to stay on the surface. Not only water, we were extremely good and innovative in this aspect, to show that not even oils could stay on these surfaces. Imagine a frying pan where you would put oil and the oil could not stay on the pan. Okay. So these surfaces were extremely anti-wetting. Uh, we call them super hydrophobic, super oleophobic, meaning that they, they completely repel, repel yeah. uh, these liquids. So, so in order to get it right, in the first case... You take molecules like proteins or DNA or whatever, mm -hmm. and you can set up an array, put them all together, so you can do the diagnosis, right? Yeah. I got it right? Yeah. And in the second case, you do the opposite. Will By you just coating with a, an extremely you thin coat layer. And you repel suddenly everything? Right. And Okay, so it's two different cases. Two different cases, but they could coexist okay. on the same surface. Imagine that you have a pattern of holes, mm -hmm. and inside the hole you have protein at attachment, Outside of the hole, protein repelling, water repelling. So you can make an array where you have lakes of proteins yeah, yeah. and outside solid area which completely repels. Yeah, uh, obviously, in my mind, there's a lot of applications. But can you give us a few examples? Sure. So, for example, for the open area surfaces, imagine that you could have a surface that does not get any dirt. 
mm-hmm. because water with dirt inside cannot reach the surface. Imagine you have oil that cannot stick on the surface. So you, your, your, for example, clothes or your surfaces cannot get dirty. Or even if they are dirty, because the water drop goes away, it takes away the dirt. Okay. So they are self-cleaning. So when you say surfaces, do they bend? What kind of surfaces? Does uh, it can be used anything? It, can be used in clothing? It could be, a, it could be in clothing, but our application and our demonstration was, for example, for open surfaces, such as a, a glass panel or a plastic surface that you could have on, on your, let's say, on uh, your window or your um, photovoltaic surface. Mm-hmm. Imagine that it, can, it does not attract any dust, or even if it does attract, then with a sim- one drop of water, it goes away. Um, is this economic? Because suddenly you're making me think, okay, windows that don't need cleaning anymore, I guess that's a big industry, but is it viable for them? Can they? I think the technology is viable for them, but there are many competitive technologies, okay. and it has to be shown which one is the most economical for a product. But definitely when you go to a diagnostic where the surfaces are much smaller and where you count in having a small area which attracts the biomolecules, the other area which repels the biomolecules, and you can have a, a, a small on-chip device that could measure your sugar, your proteins in your blood and everything, then it's extremely viable because it's a unique technology that can do this on small surfaces and selectively on certain areas. So at what stage are you right now? What, uh, are you ready to go to the industry Uh, We're almost ready. We are going in the industry. We have local contacts with industries which uh, would like to have the self-cleaning and evaluating our technology for their surfaces and also advising advising them if these technologies or other technologies are good for their applications. But for the diagnostics part, we are in um, uh, collaboration with the Hellenic Industry Association, SEV in Greek, because we had uh, taken part in one of their uh, competitions last year together with uh, Eurobank and we got uh, a second prize there. And so they are now coaching us uh, if we could establish a small spin-off with the students and with the uh, postdocs in order to exploit this technology at least in the field of diagnostics but also in the open area uh, if not with our technology at least as an advisor to the industry that would like to implement the self-cleaning or the anti-reflective or anti-fouling properties. I was going to ask you about that. First of all, does it involve any patterns? I see you're oh, an yes, owner of yes. eight patterns. Yes. Does this one involve a patent? Yes. Okay. So I was going to ask you how I know there's a lot of difficulties and a lot of hinderings when it comes to cooperating in Greece between research and the industry. And you, you did mention a spin-off. So... But how is it going to be done legally? Is it you still own the technology and a factory comes along and produces? We're trying ourselves for the moment. Okay. We're learning the procedure because this is something that we have not been trained at. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so we're learning and we will try something ourselves first. And then we will see if we will need any uh, funding either from from, uh, uh, programs of the European Union or from investors, etc. Okay. I wish you all the best. But uh, I gotta say, talking to you, you make me feel very optimistic. I think you're one of the researchers that sound very optimistic and really love your job. Yeah. So let's talk about younger people in Greece. Okay. So they want to become a researcher. What would you suggest? Do you find any differences in Greece between, between Greece and other countries? 
Um, is it easier, harder here in Greece? Should uh, youngsters follow your career? Well, uh, it's it's uh, now practically the same as it is in Greece with other countries. I would say it's even easier in the sense that a lot of people study. Mm-hmm. They go to the university yeah. and the university is still free. Yeah. While, as you know, from your experience in Australia, uh, you have to pay for most of the universities. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. A lot of young people don't know that it costs a lot to study abroad. It, it also costs here for the parents. You know that. Yeah. Um, I think the Greeks still have a great opportunity and don't realize it because uh, by finishing a university and learning a little bit uh, the procedure of creating new knowledge, then you can go and you can still do a master's degree to find out how much you like research. Mm -hmm. By doing a diploma thesis and a master's thesis, you realize what is the research methodology, what is posing a question and methodologically following its solution and finding the unknown and the new knowledge, creating new knowledge. So by these two, by doing a master's degree, they can find out, become small researchers, and they can stop either there, or then they decide they can go even further. So it is actually not bad uh, as far as uh, uh, creating a researcher in Greece compared to other countries. Okay. Uh, What the difficulty, it's even easy to find funding for doing a PhD. Because there are many projects still available, not high salaries. The salaries are lower, okay. uh, at least by a factor of two or three compared to the other countries. But it's possible to do it. Uh, the question is always to find a good environment, a stable environment, which is becoming more and more difficult in research centers. And the second difficulty is to find a job afterwards. But this is international now. 20 years back, After a PhD or a postdoc, you would find a job in industry Mm -hmm. or in academia. Now you you can easily find a job, but it won't be permanent as it used to be. So at least the Greeks who are used in the permanency of a job, either Mm -hmm. in industry or in the public sector, have to get slowly used that you may have to change jobs. That's true. Or create your own. Agiris, I'm sorry, we'll have to wrap it up because we've got our next interview coming in. Thank you, I Vicky. I know you told me you're going to be at Researchers' Night. This is the third time or you're presenting the, your uh, work? It will be the second time and it uh, will be the whole group, I assume. Okay. Presenting some. We'll be here that night, so we'll see you obviously again and we welcome all the people to come and see Vagelis, what he's doing close up. He'll have surfaces. You did tell me you will have examples of the surfaces and you will be able to show people what it's like. Yes. Uh, I wish you all the best. Really happy that it's proceeding. It's nice to see something coming to to the industry. Um, We'll have to wrap it up here. Nikos, it's up to you. Thank you. You're listening to Tech Talk Central.